0: Hello, Olympics fans and lovers of Shuk and welcome to Keep the Flame Alive, the podcast for fans of the Olympics and Paralympics. I am your host, Jill Jarrett, joined as always by my lovely co-host, Allison Brown. Alison, hello, day one is over.
1: I don't even know what day I'm in, and it's only day one. <laughs> I know. Because so how can day one be over, <laughs> and I haven't had lunch yet?
0: <laughs> it's weird i've I've lost all sense of space and time i wanted dinner at about nine in the morning it's gonna be we're gonna get in shape fast i think
1: well you know i was reading about um someone posted in our facebook group about a traditional japanese breakfast which is very dinnerish because there's rice and miso soup and protein so i'm thinking that can work at any time of day okay so now i'll just have rice and miso soup at three o'clock in the morning when I'm up watching (laughs) swimming.
0: There you go. All right. Opening ceremonies, big show. It happened. The flame is lit. What did you think?
1: So, so many pieces and it did not feel like a smaller show, which was nice.
0: You know, for me, I, yeah, there were a lot of pieces. I really felt like there was no one big, huge cultural event. True. Or program. I wonder if,
1: you know, they had the whole first, well, they had the sec- the section that was all white and then the section with the wood. And I wonder if they just did those sections with fewer people.
0: Maybe. Then
1: they would have done otherwise.
0: Maybe. So it started off with a kind of a montage of Tokyo getting the games, and then we move forward year to year, and then we hit 2020, and everything shuts down. And then they had on the the field of the stadium different athletes training alone or trying to train alone, and I thought that was very moving, and that kind of evolved with more performers and kind of tying them together with light, and it looked like string, but I don't think it was string.
1: Well, there were actual strings and then there were projected strings. Okay. So it, w- it had a, a three dimensional uh, aspect to
0: it. So I thought that was a really nice touch to the situation that we're in. It, it moved on to a, a tap dance number. I love
1: tap dancing. <laughs> I adore tap dancing. And I'm like, I didn't know the Japanese were into tap dancing. But the, they were fantastic. The, the, the whole dance number was really fantastic.
0: I thought it was interesting. It was it was one of those nod to the workers numbers. And I didn't quite understand it, but it was tap dancing, so it was kind of fun. And then they brought out um, Olympic rings made out of wood that was grown from seeds born by athletes at the 1964 Olympics, which I thought was a really nice touch. And it's it's one of those details that I think the a Japanese organizing committee was going to be very good at in the nod back to when they hosted again in 1964. So I thought that was very cool. At once we got the rings in the stadium, pop singer Messiah sang the Japanese national anthem in that big white dress. How many Muppets died for that dress? Oh, that, I thought it was interesting. So I think uh, uh, book club Claire mentioned on Twitter uh, that it looked like the NBC Peacock gave up its life for the dress.
1: Because- I thought she was wearing sort of the dress version of the 7-Eleven slushies shelf. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was fantastic yeah. because, you know, you are one person on this, in this enormous stadium, on this grand stage, where the slushies.
0: Right. It was big, white, and then the bottom in the folds, every fold was a different color along the along the bottom hem. It made a statement. Parade of Nations. This, uh, it was, it was weird. I have to say. It was, the Parade of
1: Nations, I think, was the most disappointing part because the teams were so tiny and they didn't do the full walk of the track. They sort of came up the middle. Mm -hmm. Clearly, they shortened the walk and no fans. I mean, the volunteers tried so hard to, to make it exciting, but it, it just didn't have the gravitas or the excitement.
0: No, and, and the whole thing really looked like a dress rehearsal because. It did you could, you, and even though, the the new stadium has seats that look like they're filled, you could really tell they were empty, at nighttime. Yes, it, it just was really that part was sad. Um, I agree. Volunteers, I loved their outfits. I need one of those, those hand mumus.
1: Those look incredibly comfortable to watch all the Olympics in.
0: They were very uh, cool looking and they also looked like they kept people cool. Yes. Nice touch on that. It was nice to be able to hear
1: the teams cheering each other and for themselves. Mike Tarico really enjoyed that, the NBC announcer. He really enjoyed when um, Argentina came out with their big show and Italy came out. He, he really enjoyed when the teams got excited, which was exactly. funny. He was so excited to be there.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I would, say, would say that. Favorite uniforms?
1: Um, well, I loved the British Virgin Islands of all. They oh. had these beautiful dresses with each of the islands portrayed Mm -hmm. on the dress which I thought was very striking and then there were several African countries that had you know the beautiful prints and the the wonderful um you know they really went for like the Miss Universe costume parade style Mm -hmm. which I enjoy that it's sprinkled in.
0: Right you know it seemed like There was a definite distinction between countries who wore more formal attire and countries who wore athletic attire.
1: So many ankle pants. (laughs) So many ankle pants. I definitely have a least favorite, though.
0: Props to Ireland for bowing to the host. (gasps) That was fantastic. That was was so sweet. And uh, yeah, least favorite. Belgium. Oh, Dave, Mike Tirico. Okay, so Mike Tirico liked that print. I thought it was a bit much when it covered your whole body. Well, here
1: was the problem. The Belgian men had, like, suits, right? And And the Belgian women had these ridiculous tablecloths with, like, a sport, you know, like a, a golf shirt and, again, ankle pants. So either do one or the other. It was very schizophrenic, and neither one was particularly interesting.
0: See, I thought most of the the uniforms were pretty. They they, you had some very nice ones and very nice elements to it, but they were pretty like not normal to be safe. Safe. It was safe, but beautiful in a lot of them. And then Latvia walked in (laughs) with these shining silver dresses, and it was just like, where did and where did that come from? The sad thing was for here in uh, us here in the United States. That was also during an ad break where they were doing side-by-side coverage. So Latvia was delegated to like part of the screen. It was just like, what are they wearing? So it was like uh, shift dresses that were silver, lame, and then a a little jacket over them. And then Luxembourg walked in not that long after with like this iridescent hologram look (laughs) with these big long coats with a hood, like a, a long hoodie that was iridescent.
1: Yeah. France had a long coat as well, which I assume was more like a, you know, very thin. It wasn't really a coat. It was the equivalent of, you know, a linen blazer, but it, it, it made me think it was, it it looked hot.
0: Okay. Okay. A lot of yellow. There was a lot of bright yellow. I can't remember. And I did
1: not make a note of who the country was yellow and green. And they looked like the height, the highlighter aisle in staples
0: lots of red and white i thought
1: sweden had fanny packs
0: oh did they <laughs> i did not know this. oh um, no excuse I me would... it was
1: ukraine i was thinking the light blue and yellow you
0: really liked their athletic wear
1: yeah, look you, ukraine had the fanny pack and some had them on their shoulders and some had them on, around their, their waists
0: okay I thought there was an athlete from Poland who did the right thing. She had the walked in with the fan open that said Polska. So you knew who she was. She's always going to find herself on the screen when she goes back to look at it.
1: You know, sort of like what John McLeod did with his different color shoes.
0: Right, right, right. Speaking of shoes, did you see Turkey shoes? They had really sharp ones.
1: Oh, now I got to go back and look at the shoes. I was not paying attention to shoes. I would be. I will be honest on that one.
0: They had fancy wingtips that were red and white, and they just they looked sharp. I thought. Who I really loved though was uh, Kiribati and Kyrgyzstan. Who had Kirbas had the Mount Fuji with the cherry blossoms.
1: Yes. And
0: and then, and Kyrgyzstan also had some cherry blossom stuff. And the hats, Kyrgyzstan
1: hats, the traditional,
0: it it sort of looks
1: like a mountain, actually, the shape of that hat, though that would be hot. I hope they took those off once they got inside.
0: USA had individualized masks, custom masks, because they had their names on them.
1: Yeah, too bad too many of them took them off. Right. So in the, in the US coverage, obviously after all the athletes come in, there's a lot of speeches. Mm-hmm. So during the speeches, you can do a talking head or you show shots of the athletes. And every time they showed a Team USA athlete, that athlete was not wearing his or her mask.
0: Right. Or pulled it down, just pulled special. it down.
1: Most of them had just clearly taken it off. And then about halfway through, somebody told the producers, stop showing Team USA not wearing their masks. And they t- only showed Team USA athletes still wearing their masks
0: (laughs) i saw on inside the games they blogged that a couple of other countries just were not did not have very many masked people at all so hmm, that's disappointing it is it is uh what did you think of the dual flag bearers for most
1: countries not all right I, i assume a few countries didn't have both because they have so such small contingents and also now with the um you can only come when you're Competition is. A few countries mentioned they had named two flag bearers, but there was only one there. So I assume that was the reason.
0: I liked it. I thought it was interesting because most, and not until we got to Brazil. Did we find a way to carry that flag with both people? Because it was like they tried to walk with it together. That didn't really work. Somebody would take it. Then the other person would grab it from them. But Brazil had one person with the pole and one person holding the flag out. And I thought that was really smart.
1: That was interesting. And it was also very funny. They clearly did not, countries didn't think of the practicality. So occasionally you would have like a male volleyball player and like the female coxswain (laughs) And I'm like, she's sort of balancing the bottom or vice versa. You know, sometimes it was a female volleyball player and like the tiniest male weightlifter. So the height difference (laughs) was quite dramatic. So that was sweet. But I I think the idea, it made the Parade of Nations feel a little bit more like the closing ceremonies. That makes Which was not a bad thing because there's so much joy in that. And given that this was a strange opening ceremony to begin with, add a little more joy.
0: Did you see... That there was a Shuk Flastani who was a flag bearer. Oh, did I miss that? Because, again, relegated to the side during an ad, Felicity Passon was a, the flag bearer for Seychelles. Oh, I didn't even see her. Oh, now I got to go back
1: and On rewatch.
0: Hair, and I was like, that's Felicity. She got to, to to carry the flag. It was so exciting.
1: Because it so, wasn't identified. And it was right. so tiny. Right. She like,
0: Nice. Good on you for catching it. So that was very exciting. I think I also saw Marnie McBean with the Canada delegation. Yes,
1: she was there. She has been Instagramming. So she was, uh, she did march.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So then once all the, everybody got in, they had a little more performance element where they uh, had performers moving blocks around and that formed the logo.
1: I saw those blocks and I saw the blue and I said, they're gonna do the logo in 3D. I got so excited.
0: I thought that was very cool. And they had, oh, then they had the new Olympic logo, faster, higher, stronger together, which couldn't put that out there fast enough, projected on the floor of the stadium. It was kind of interesting how they used the floor of the stadium for projecting light. They projected doves onto the floors at different times. Um, Then they had this big drone thing where eighteen hundred drones uh, came up over the stadium and made a globe, which was that that was pretty cool, and I'm sure uh, much
1: cooler in person,
0: yeah, I bet it was cooler in person.
1: I immediately thought there's no way we can do that offer over Los Angeles because you know all the Americans are going to call nine one one saying there's an <laughs> there's an alien ship forming the shape of a globe <laughs> over l a. <laughs>
0: Then we had the singing of Imagine, which, you know, uh, uh, listener David on Twitter was saying, oh, I bet they're going to do Imagine. This was yesterday. I said, no, can you, uh, you know, not can you imagine, imagine all the people and there's nobody there. (laughs) It's just like they can't do that. And yet they did. (laughs) And yet they did. And really, Keith Urban is who you get for Oceana? (laughs) Really? So I got to say, I know people love that song. It, it, it strikes a chord with many people. It is getting right up there with Amazing Grace for me. I, I don't like Amazing Grace. I'm not a fan of Imagine anymore. I think it's overdone. And this is not the first Olympics that they've used that song. So can we find something different? Imagine there are no countries. Why would you do that when you have a country-based thing? Anyhow. Long, boring speeches. Oh, t Bach, man, put every soundbite into one speech. He
1: was not kidding around when he wrote that speech. He was like, I am going to hit you over the head with every cliche about these Olympics.
0: And oh, it was long. He could have chopped off a few minutes. But
1: I will give him credit in terms of the passion of his speech. Mm -hmm. He was feeling it. He had something to he really wanted to communicate.
0: Then we had what I thought was the best part of the games. Absolutely. The pictogram number by, uh, put together by Hiropon, who is a, a big artist in Japan, where the, the big thing with the pictograms, A, they were developed first for the games for Tokyo 1964. In Tokyo 2020, the, the new innovation is that they are kinetic, and then they brought that kinetic to life. At the opening ceremonies and did every pictogram.
1: It was brilliant and so much fun to watch. And he only made one mistake. (laughs) It was the handoff of the tennis racket. And I panicked for him because you know how many times they they rehearsed that Mm -hmm. so much. And then he dropped, you you could hear him cursing in Japanese through that helmet (laughs) he was wearing. I could feel it, but that was so much fun.
0: It was. I want to watch it again and again. That one of the best opening cer- ceremonies moments ever, I think, because it is, it's part of the games. and And so much of the ceremonies is kind of showcasing the host country and welcoming you to the games. But this was really, let's take an element of the games and make it very joyful.
1: Yet, I don't think you'd see that in another host country. Like there was something anime about it. Mm -hmm. It felt Mm -hmm. very Japanese culture to it as well. So that was a nice bridge of it is clearly part of the Olympics, but is also clearly symbolic of Tokyo.
0: The Olympic flag came in, sang the anthem. They had a a kabuki element and they had a a jazz pianist, Hiromi, performed, which was really beautiful piano. Also not
1: fooling around.
0: No, no. And Japanese love jazz music. So it was really great to hear that. Then, And what we missed in America was the oath, and we missed the virtual awarding of the Olympic laurel. So that was during one of our commercial breaks. Then it was time for the flame. And, you know, I got to say, by the time the flame came in, I didn't realize how long much time had passed. It really felt like a short ceremony to me.
1: I think because the Parade of Nations was so much shorter than it normally is. Mm -hmm. And the cultural program was truncated in the sense of, I think there was fewer people. So it felt smaller.
0: Right. It really did. It really did. And who lit the cauldron? Naomi Osaka. I was so confused by that. Really? A little
1: bit. I mean, I know they were, it, it reminded me obviously of when Kathy Freeman Lit the cauldron back mm-hmm. in Sydney because you have a, a current competing athlete, mm-hmm. but that really surprised me. I I given all the callbacks to sixty four, I thought they would have done something connecting the two more. Hmm. With the cauldron,
0: there were elements of sixty four in the run up. I believe yes, but you know, I wonder if uh, Naomi Osaka was chosen. Also, because she's got worldwide recognition, and so many of the other parts of the people in this relay were famous in Japan, but not necessarily recognizable in other parts of the world.
1: What'd you think of the cauldron itself?
0: I think the cauldron is beautiful. It was—it looked like it was on Mount Fuji, and then the top was a ball that opened up as a flower, and the flame is in it. What I still am very conflicted over the. Cauldron that is out in a venue or public space versus cauldron on top of the stadium to be seen around the city.
1: Oh, so the so that cauldron is staying inside the national stadium.
0: No, no, I think they're supposed to move it to the big public square facility that's got a whole bunch of venues around it. Uh, And by venues, I mean it's like the urban park type thing where, like, I think sport climbing and some of the the. Uh, Streets type sports are there, but it was this big open public square type area that people could come and gather. Well, they we can't now because they're not allowed, but the cauldron, I believe, is moving there. And that's kind of a c- continuation of what Rio did. And I believe Vancouver also had their cauldron on the ground as well. So I get that element. And it's kind of cool to have the flame around the people when they're allowed to go. And the, let them be close to it. But I, from when I went to Salt Lake City, it was always kind of something to, you'd drive around and you'd be like, oh, I see the flame from You like the
1: cauldron in the sky element.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I would love to see the cauldron down on the ground and see what I think of it. But I, I just, from, I, I don't know. It's, it's not as majestic on TV, I don't think.
1: True, you can't get that sweeping aerial shot going across did you notice that the shape of the flame was weird like no. it was very it, it looked very um narrow and pointy hmm. to me rather than you know the you think of the cauldron as more open and bowl burning right and this was very focused sort of candle like hmm So I don't know if that was just because it was first lit or because that center of the flower is quite narrow. Interesting. But the inside of the flower with all the mirrors. So clearly that's going to reflect all over the place.
0: That, yeah, that is very beautiful. The Olympic cauldron was designed by Sato Oki and it's, it uses the sun as a motif. So yes, that reflection of the sun and the flame. That's very cool. As we noted Not very many people there inside the games believed that there were about 6,000 stakeholders and guests of honor, about 1,500 broadcasters, and about 2,000 press at the stadium. Which makes
1: you realize how many people are normally there. I mean, because that is, what, almost 10,000 people, and it felt completely empty. And yet, how many people, I mean... This That stadium could hold, what was it, 68,000, they said, I think. Yeah. And that's on top of all these people that they were talking about. So, and I know Rio was even bigger.
0: Right. You know who probably was there? The premier of Queensland, Australia, Anastasia Palaszczuk. Because did you see this?
1: I I saw it because you, you posted it and <laughs> shared it with me. And I'm like, Anastasia.
0: Oh, so... After Brisbane was announced as the host of the 2032 games, there was a little press conference and uh, Palaszczuk apparently said she was going to be kind of there for the bid and in her hotel and not go anywhere. John Coates, IOC vice president, head of the Australian national uh, Australian Olympic committee and head of, he worked on this bid. He's head of the uh, Tokyo organizing committee commission uh, so he's a very big wig and he said, Oh no, no, no. You're going to the opening ceremonies. You've never been to an opening ceremony. you have to see all the protocol and all the pomp and circumstance and, and basically said, you've got to know what this is because it costs 75 to a hundred million dollars. And you could kind of see you like, she must've been glad to wear a mask because you could see her eyes widening a little bit there. But it it sounded like in the clips you saw that he was very bullying and he looked like he was very satisfied with himself and it was just like i just got exactly what i wanted with this bid i get to tell everybody what to do now and then he, he of course was not happy with the press coverage of him bullying the prime the the premier and said oh no no you got that all wrong I don't know, but what sticks out to me is that's a lot of money to be spending on an opening ceremonies. And how much, sadly for, for Tokyo, how much of that went by the wayside because so much had to get trimmed.
1: Right, that it was spent but not utilized. Right, right. So on that vein, there was two things that I wanted to note about the opening ceremonies. And I thought it was very interesting in a lot of the show parts that given... A lot of things that we've talked about with Uncle Yoshi and now John Coates. They put women in the fictional roles of authority. I noticed that too. So there was a conductor, it was a woman. There was the construction manager in that wooden sequence. It was a woman. They had this little funny sequence supposedly happening in the broadcast booth where this guy is pressing all the buttons and make the lights come on. His boss comes in. It was a woman. Mhm. And I said that that was not unintentional.
0: Right. And I wonder how that's received in the host country. I think they noticed it.
1: I hope they noticed it. And I think they were trying to make a point. And and I think that was very subtle but clear enough. Right, right, right. And the other moment that made my jaw drop was the reference to the the victims of the terrorist attacks in Munich? Oh,
0: we totally forgot. I, I that was one of the first things. Uh, yes, jaw dropping. The, the victims have wanted The victims' families have wanted a moment at the opening ceremonies ever since it happened, and they got it. and And it was, I I have no words because it it meant so much. It I, was
1: so beautifully done because it wasn't. We're going to honor the 72 victims. It was so organic. Yes. And I thought what was interesting was Mike Tirico made the point that Thomas Bach is a contemporary of mm-hmm. 19, the 1972 Olympics and, and, and that he's been pushing for something. And that's the opposite of what we've kind of been hearing, that the IOC as a, as a unit has been very much against it. But it sounds like Thomas Bach, as a person rather than the IOC president, wanted to make this happen.
0: Right. And it, it really was organic. And it was very touching and honored a very tough time and very tough games and, and something that really devastated people's lives so it, i'm i'm very glad that that happened i'm very curious if it will happen in future ceremonies i i hope they still get that moment because we should not forget that time
1: absolutely but i i literally was just sitting there with my mouth hanging open
0: right it finally happened yeah anything else
1: that's all my notes.
0: Excellent. If you won at opening ceremonies, bingo, post your cards in our Facebook group or email them to us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. The first three who do so will have, will look at timestamps. Uh, we'll send you a little pin. Uh, some score updates from day minus one of competition. Uh, softball, the USA beat Canada one to nothing. That I watched that game. And that oh, was,
1: that was good.
0: Oh, man, that was a close game. Too tough Competitive teams: Japan beat Mexico three to two. Australia beat Italy one to zero. In men's football, Egypt and Spain had a tie zero zero. New Zealand beat Korea one nothing. Uh, Mexico beat France four to one. I watched that game.
1: Oh, did you? How was oh, it? Oh, I had no idea. I don't know anything about football. Okay. And my daughter was making fun of me. He's like, she said, "Oh, we're watching soccer now." I'm like, "It's the Olympics. <laughs> I watch soccer."
0: and there was scuffles (gasps) oh yes that mm. Cote d'Ivoire beat the kingdom of Saudi Arabia two to one Australia beat Argentina two to nothing Uh, Romania beat Honduras one to nothing Japan beat South Africa one to zero and Brazil beat Germany four to two then uh, archery had ranking rounds for the individual men's and women's competition. And of note, uh, Korea's San Ang got an Olympic record with a score of 680. So the I am looking forward to watching archery over the next coming days. It's going to be intense. And then uh, rowing had a whole bunch of heats uh, for men's and women's singles, doubles, and quadruple skulls. I watched a little bit of the quadruples and... It was interesting to watch everybody row. I do like watching rowing. It's very, I think it's very tranquil and calming. And I found my new officiating, uh, my officiating job that I want is holding the boat at the end. I think we've mentioned this before when we talked about the squirrel. But again, I saw that was like, yep, I do. I want to hold the, hold the boat at the end before they start the the race. So for day two, Mm -hmm. Sukhflistani
1: watch, Melissa Tapper, We'll be starting mixed doubles tomorrow and team USA softball with our coach, Laura Berg will be in action again. Excellent.
0: All right. Well, it's time to take a little nap and get, then get back to the action. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, be in touch with us. Uh, You can give us a call at 208 flame it. You can leave a voicemail that's two or text. We'd love to get your test texts. That's 208-352-6348. You can also email us at flamealivepod at gmail.com. And uh, we're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at flamealivepod. Allison's on Insta at flamealivepod. We've got a Facebook group going that is hopping with fun. So join us all there. And uh, until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening and keep the flame alive.